Welcome to Hippie Witch, magic for a new age. I'm your host, Joanna DeVoe, and this is a happy, hippie place where magic with a K meets the law of attraction. Hi, thanks for joining me for episode 213 of Hippie Witch, Magic for a New Age. My name is Joanna DeVoe, and I'm the kooky creatrix behind Kick-Ass Witch, Putting the K in Magic, and Hippie Witch, the show you are listening to right now. I also have a free ebook by that name, Hippie Witch, Peace, Love, and All That Good Shit, and you can pick up a copy of that at www.joannadevoe.com. Or back on the description page for this episode back on Blog Talk Radio where you will also find a link to today's very special guest uh, in honor of this theme of love we have been working with all February. I sent an invitation to come on the show to Sarah Prout and asked her if she would talk with us about soulmate love, manifesting your soulmate, and so many other things. Sarah is the author of the Adventures in Manifesting book series, as well as, and I think primarily now, the kick-ass creatrix behind one seriously magical online world designed to help you manifest your desires by tapping into the law of attraction. And what I really love about Sarah is that she shares her own manifestation journey online with the public, and it's been a really beautiful progression from a place of lack to a place of great abundance in all areas. Abundant love, abundant money, an abundant, beautiful business model. And uh, so keep in mind while you're listening to this interview that how you do anything is how you do everything. And manifesting your soulmate love is a lesson in manifesting financial abundance. It's all the same thing. And uh, I'm really excited to share this with you because Sarah gets into some very personal experiences that she's been through in her life to get to the place she is now. And I think it's really going to resonate with a lot of you. So without any further ado, here she is, the lovely Sarah Prout. Hi, Sarah. Welcome to Hippie Witch. Hi, Joanna. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to have you here as the last show in February with the theme of love because you are such a loving, gentle person, but a badass manifester. And one of, <laughs> one of the things that you have manifested into your life is a kind of soulmate love mm -hmm. that people long for. And I thought it would be so fun to have you on to talk about all kinds of things. I, I, I think love is a component to manifesting anything, including money. Um, but I thought it too would be really interesting to talk about your love story because it's, it's <laughs> such a good one. Okay, great. So where should we start? <laughs> well, let me tell people that you have one of the most beautiful websites I've ever seen. I was... Oh, thank you. <laughs> Delir I was delirious with envy when I first saw it because, <laughs> because it's very pretty, but it's also very on point, super, super focused and well organized. And I know that is in part due to your husband, Sean. So you two have a business relationship in a, on top of your romance, right? We do. We're actually friends first in the same kind of industry, and that's where our love blossomed. So we, we met on Twitter, of all places. <laughs> yeah, 
Okay, well, let's tell that. Yeah. Let's, let's tell that story. Actually, let's start at way even before that, because I know okay. a lot of my listeners are very, they're on a journey, and some of them are very much still in the place of having a lot of pain or trauma in their lives and wanting to change their life. And okay. I know you've been there too, and that that's such a great prelude to where you are now. So do you mind going back that far in time to kind of No, I'd love to. I think it's a really important element. So let's rewind, what are we, 2017. I was married for 10 years from 2000 to 2010 in a really unhappy relationship or marriage to a man that just wasn't the right fit for me. We struggled so much. So it was a, uh, a relationship that had violence in it. And so domestic violence, financial hardship, all of the above, you know, emotional abuse, financial abuse, spiritual abuse, and it was so tough. I just wanted to escape. And in that time I had two children and I just didn't know how I was going to survive out in the world on my own as a single mother. And so I was really paralyzed by fear and I didn't know how to move forward into a new chapter of my life that I knew that I needed to leave the marriage, even though I was terrified. And it's, it's a very serious situation. And I'm extremely fortunate that I was able to leave when I finally did because it took me eight or nine attempts to actually leave before I managed to get the job done. Oh, and can we pause was, on that for t- sure. a second too? Because I, I want people to really hear that and take that in because I think we can really beat up on ourselves when we know what we need to do. Yeah. But it takes some time sometimes to get ourselves into that place or we kind of take two steps forward and one step back and um, – so what what was going on with you when you were attempting to leave? But well, it's so many different catalysts started showing themselves. So I during this time I decided that I was going to seek my own independence. I was 29 years old and I just got my driver's license for the first time, and social media was just starting to get popular. And I thought I'm going to start my own business. And so gradually I started meeting and connecting with other people online, and it gave me this this window to freedom that I hadn't tasted before because I'd been so insulated in my little bubble as a as a housewife. You know, not that there's anything wrong with being a housewife, but for me I always wanted something more for myself. And I was so damaged. My self-worth was just non-existent because of the violence. And I knew that I needed to take gentle steps to ease myself out of that loneliness. And it was this dialogue between myself and the universe to kind of take me on this new path of freedom and adventure because I could feel it within me. I knew that I was going to change somehow. I just didn't know how it was going to unfold. And so I ended up Uh, total transparency I ended up having an affair with the first man that kind of paid me attention at some kind of social media meetup and that was a bit of a disaster (laughs) but it it was it showed me that uh, I needed to assert my own freedom rather than thinking I could just jump from one man to another to give me that safety that I was seeking so it, it was a process of not really thinking through my actions or the repercussions. It was just kind of manifesting more shame and more guilt, and and I didn't really know. But during this time, there was this other guy that I met on Twitter. This was back when I lived in Australia, and he lived in Los Angeles, and he was my friend. There was no romantic feelings or anything like that. And he was actually guiding me and counseling me on how I should deal with the situation of dismantling my marriage, getting rid of the guy that I was having an affair with, and moving on to this new phase of freedom in my life. And over a period of about, I think it was nine to 10 months, we became really close friends. And then it wasn't until six months after I finally left my husband that a relationship started to blossom with this guy that I met on Twitter. And he flew out from America for an 11 day blind date 
and he never left. <laughs> An 11-day blind date. Oh, my God. And it, it was so magical. It, was, it, it wasn't – I wasn't intentionally trying to manifest love. It was because of all of my pain that I believed that I manifested all of the things that I was longing for. So I, I believe that there's two components to manifesting. One is that you can manifest that change because you're in so much pain. And two, you can get really specific about what you want to create in your life and, and things just are drawn to you in that way. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> can I ask you to move your hair or fabric? Oh, so. Something's rubbing on the microphone. And oh, I, it is? I don't know what okay. it is, but I hear it and um, it's okay. Head. It's Okay. <laughs> you All have right. long, long, lovely hair. Um, thank you so much for being 100% honest with us about the whole journey. And it's so fascinating that um, Sean, your current love, um, you were so honest with him too. Like even before. He was the only one that knew. I didn't even, I didn't tell my parents or any of my friends. It was this this random guy that I connected with on Twitter that I bared my soul, literally. And it was such a safe space to do that. So I'm extremely fortunate. <laughs> well, thank you for doing that here. I've heard you say it before too, but thank you for not putting this I'm so perfect veneer over um, what you teach, which is the law of attraction. We'll, we'll get to that. How did the yeah. law of attraction come into play? Were, what were you, were you guys talking about that? I feel like I've heard you say you were talking about that at some point on Twitter. Well, I was part of my business model that I was starting back then was to teach the law of attraction because I was uh, studying meditation for 10 years throughout the time that I was married to my ex-husband. That wasn't so fun. But Sean was working for a, I'm not sure who it was, but it was somebody in the personal development industry that was teaching the law of attraction. So we, we kind of bonded over that mutual love of metaphysics and manifesting in the universe. Nice, nice. Yeah. Yeah. And now you are kicking ass in business together, having mm-hmm. having babies. It's really yeah. it's really fun to follow you on Facebook. I recommend people do it because <laughs> you're kind of sharing your manifestation journey with us in a very joyful, lighthearted way that celebrates everything from like, yay, we got a new purple bed or I, I <laughs> um, to like, you know, like we are finally having the baby that we've been trying to make happen. And um, yeah, thank you. Thank you. That's what I want to do. I really want to show people that if I can do it, anybody can do it. Because when I left my first husband, I left with nothing. I had $30,000 worth of debt. I had two suitcases and two children to look after. And so living on welfare just wasn't fun. And so I had to think creatively about how to to get that process going of creating that change in my life. And that's why I'm so passionate now about sharing that so transparently because other people need to see that anything is a possibility if they put their mind and their heart to it. Yeah, there's a lot of stigma in a lot of what you said. There's a stigma around having an affair. There's there's a stigma around entering into the dating world, having two kids. Mm -hmm. There is a stigma around welfare. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of shame that comes with all of that. So um, how does that come into play with the picture that you're living now? Like, did you work through that shame? Do you take a... um, more like a shadow work approach to that kind of thing or are you the kind of person that just focuses on exactly what you want and do you know what I mean like yeah I do I do that's I I think that's one of the most powerful questions I've been ever asked so thank you thank you Joanna that's a that's a really uh 
in-depth, multi-layered question to answer because with The Affair, for example, I wouldn't recommend it to anybody. I'm not afraid or ashamed of hiding the fact that I had an affair, but it, when you're at your most desperate point of wanting to create change, I think that's why I did it. And I did manifest a lot of shame around that afterwards that I, I had to process. Having said that now, though, I think hindsight's twenty twenty. I can see it was such a beautiful experience. Even the violence in my marriage, I wouldn't change. The affair, I wouldn't change. Anything that has ever happened to me that has been bad, I wouldn't change because it's an opportunity to rise above it energetically and do something about it. So uh, the reason I don't hide it is because I can see that people are so hard on themselves there's uh, people put themselves through self-judgment and self-guilt and blame and shame and all of the things that don't nurture them. And so uh, I just want to give them that the, the invitation that there really is no right or wrong, good or bad, there just is, and that those pieces form part of your story and are mapping out a beautiful life plan for you, no matter what it is. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you're living in Vegas. How many, mm -hmm. how many children do you have now? I have four children. Four children. Very sweet, beautiful kids. Yeah. And you, have, you have this marriage. I think there's a lot of debate, at least in my community, about what a soulmate is. There are people that say there's no such thing. There are people that really uphold that as the ultimate end-all, be-all. And then there's kind of just all sorts of interpretations in between. What is your take on a soulmate? A soulmate. Well, if you asked me when I was a teenager, I would have said that it's somebody that completes you, somebody that gets you, somebody that, you know, you could spend all day with and there's never any friction <laughs> or tension or anything like that. But now I understand it as a way of moving through the world with your partner where you're both aware that you've put your hand up to do some really deep spiritual work together. And that from that deep spiritual work that you do together, learning how to navigate life and conflict and all that kind of stuff, your love grows from that awareness. Ooh, that's a good definition. Well, what does it mean to do spiritual work together? Okay, so let's just use an example of you're fighting over money all the time and your partner has one mode of communication and you have another and you're not hearing each other. So by kind of meeting in that middle ground and learning how to communicate in a way that your partner understands, I believe that that's really deep spiritual work or even learning how to apologize. I think that's one of the, one of the most humbling spiritual tools that you can have in your toolbox. <laughs> yes. I remember having to do that with my son. I remember the, the hump of getting over the, I don't know what it was, the resistance I had to that. And then mm -hmm. what a deep connection it created and I recommend not just for romantic partners, but for parents with their children too. like learn to apologize to your kids and you are setting them up for life in such a beautiful way um, that teaches them by example, how to take responsibility for your own stuff. And Absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree. So with, with soulmate, I believe that it is just a mate for your soul. Somebody that can come with you through life that nurtures that love and appreciates the growth that happens and all of the wonderful things along the way. Mm. So it's not, sorry. Do you, you believe go. we have multiple soulmates or that there's one special person out there for each person? I believe that there are multiple soulmates. And I know that conflicts with some people's beliefs, but I do think that there's probably a select few people that you're really compatible with. I'm also a believer in a 
oh, how do I explain this? <laughs> the twin flame phenomenon. So where the soul is split in two, where there's maybe the masculine and the feminine components of the soul and they come together for a greater purpose. That's probably a conversation for another day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, a con- it's definitely a concept i have a very new agey crowd so it's definitely okay okay good. familiar with yeah so do you feel okay. like do you feel like that's what's going on with you and sean and that's why you guys made you know such a connection yes. and you could have an 11 day blind yes. date absolutely because uh, the the beauty of that was that both of us had no idea what a twin flame was before we met or before we had that 11 days and yet during that 11 days, we had all of the the checklist twin flame signs and elements happen that we weren't even aware were part of the process. And I'm so blessed that I can look back now and know that I wasn't looking for it. Because if I knew what a twin flame was back then, I probably would have you know, latched that on to the first person that showed me attention or anyone in particular, you know, it's like something that you could fabricate in your mind to make something more than it is. But at the same time, I really want to emphasize that it's beyond the label. So even though I believe that Sean is my twin flame, I don't attach to that as a concept that, you know, things or as um, specific themes that things have to be bad or things have to be amazing all the time because you're my twin flame. There's no pressure around the concept, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Um, Do both of you come from very woo-woo families? Because you both seem to really lean into the woo. Or is this something something that, you know, you created your own world together? I know when you have a great connection with a friend or a lover around something like this, you can really, like, lean into it even more because you get to have that dialogue. And then once you start a business like you have, you get to have Mm -hmm. that dialogue with thousands of people. But um, what do your families think about all of this? (laughs) Well, I (laughs) I think Sean's family... I don't I think they appreciate it but they don't understand it they're not practicing woo-woo people whereas I come from a long line of woo-woo oh you do okay I do I do my mother practiced witchcraft and my dad he is very spiritual in his approach to I mean he's, he's an artist so he works with a lot of different energies to create some amazing stuff. He doesn't talk about it, though. That's the thing. They're kind of unspoken about their spirituality. Where my mother, she worked as a psychic and a tarot reader for many years, so that's where I kind of developed my interest in spirituality and metaphysics. Oh, my God. I did not know that about you, Sarah. And I have to say, I almost did not send you an interview request because Mm -hmm. even though I see a lot of overlap in our work, even mm-hmm. though we use different labels at a lot of different times. And I knew that what I knew that we would be uh, in sync on just the spirit of law of attraction and manifesting. Mm-hmm. I thought maybe the word witch would freak you out. <laughs> so well, 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 let's talk about that. because <laughs> I get uh, with having hundreds of thousands of followers on Facebook. Some people use it to insult me. Yeah. <laughs> And I and I thank them because I I believe that being called a witch is a great compliment. Yes, I take it on and I own it. I will be a witch. Oh I will my god! A long line of witches, and I want my three little daughters to be witches as well. <laughs> I am so glad that I sent that interview request. I'm like liking you more by the minute here. Um, and it reminds me of what we were talking about before the show started when I was telling you I saw some, like a website that was calling Oprah a new age witch. And I yeah. felt like and it was meant to be an insult about how, <laughs> how she's evil. 
And I really wanted to claim that and be like, wait a minute here. And really, this show almost was called New Age Witch. I just like, I just liked the sound of hippie witch better. But um, that's funny that you should say that. Yeah, well, that's how I've lived my life with the embodiment of that innate natural wisdom that we have as women. So I, I, I totally am on the same page. <laughs> mm, shout out to Sarah's mom. So what do you think? What do you think was it? Being raised in a home like that with a mother that had that beautiful gift to offer her daughter, why do you felt maybe maybe this is too deep. You don't have to answer this question. I'm I'm very, I'm very nosy. Why do you think that you felt as a as a young woman drawn into a traumatic situation? What do you think the draw was there? Oh gosh. That is a great question. I feel that well I did come from a very dysfunctional family. There was a lot of love and laughter and creativity and all the wonderful things, but there was also the shadow side of that as well that was quite disempowering. And my parents didn't have the greatest relationship, even though they were best friends, and it was kind of messy. And during that time, I think I was looking for a way out. So I married an older man. He's 12 years older than I was. And he was also into spirituality and meditation at the time. So I, I kind of went down that more uh, classical spiritual trail. So rather than more um, esoteric stuff, I went to meditation and how do I put it, uh, clean eating, that kind of thing, vibrational work, and that was that took me down a different path altogether from the more natural stuff that I that is more where my natural set point is, I guess. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that was a learning curve, and and I feel like going towards a dysfunctional family was my way of proving that I could do something if that makes sense because I, I had my first son at 21 and that was a way of me kind of trying to prove myself to my parents that I was a grown-up and I did, yeah that's mm. <laughs> it's, it's hard to unravel but I mean I'm a very different person now but I know that those decisions weren't made from a place of maturity and understanding the bigger picture of life yeah you know a theme that I just caught too is um your you kind of you were talking about uh, getting married to uh, escape kind of in a way, you know, yeah. and then having the affair to kind of escape that marriage. Yeah, you know, I caught that it, just as I said it as well. It's the same pattern. It is. And then it <laughs> yeah. wasn't until you started really investing in your own sovereignty that mm. everything started flowing and clicking and you found a love match, like a, yes. a, a real soul match. That I love. Yes, and and the love. Well, also learning to accept that love was a learning curve as well, and and that's something your audience will probably be really interested in, in understanding. So you can put the intention out there to manifest a soulmate or the love of your life, whoever it is, and especially if you've come out of a dysfunctional relationship. But then learning how to feel worthy enough to accept it and integrate it into your daily life is a completely different learning learning curve altogether. Um, funny that we got cut off right when we were talking about resistance. That cracks me up. <laughs> <laughs> the universe has an awesome sense of humor is what I have found. I think synchronicity can be so funny sometimes. <laughs> yep. um, what I was saying is that this month's theme is love, but next week, next month I'm focusing on um, resistance. And so I thought it'd be really fun to get a jump start on that maybe and ask, yes. ask you about your take on that because I've noticed for me especially in the beginning when I was first practicing the law of attraction and magic that 
I think there's something to beginner's luck. It's very easy in the beginning, um, mm-hmm. or it was for me, but then I would find myself pushing away the, resi- the you know, resisting the thing that I was telling the universe I wanted. I would create a lot of chaos around it or just not show up to receive it, if that makes sense. Is that something that you have some experience with that you'd care to share? <laughs> I do, lots of experience. That's why I tell my students to embrace resistance as part of the manifesting process because a lot of people tend to forget that um, before, there's my favorite my favorite law of attraction author is Florence Scovelshin. And she, she writes, uh, apparent failure often appears before success, right before success. So it's like when you, for example, can't think of a word and then all of a sudden it jumps in your brain. It's when you, when, you, um, when you surrender to the process, it's when the universe starts to work with you and push you forward with that flow a little bit easier. But you can work with the resistance. That's the most powerful part of the process. Do you have any tips for that? See, stand back and see things for what they are and don't make them worse than they are, if that makes sense. So instead of being, let's just say you backed your car into a tree. Okay. <laughs> let's, let's use that. So you did it. You deal with it. It's fine. You don't have to create more energy around something. So the more we, we focus and tune our energy into the things that we don't want, the more likely it is to create that resistance. The more we go with the flow and see resistance or setbacks or mishaps, anything like that for exactly what they are, which is the universe testing us mm-hmm. to see whether we're ready to go to that next level because it's all about that growth that happens on the journey. And I do believe that you can't have growth without pain. I haven't found a single teacher or anybody yet that has experienced success that hasn't been through some hardship. So you've got to realize that it's it's weaving this beautiful and intricate story in your life as you move forward. Yeah, and it's that contrast sometimes that can um, compel you forward a lot of times. Yes. I, I like, too, what you're saying about, like, backing your car into a tree. <laughs> uh, it reminds me of um, Louise Hay. She's such a proponent of mirror work, and <laughs> she suggests that – You know, when you do something like that, you go right into the mirror and you look at yourself and you say, it's okay, I love you anyway. Yeah, well, that's what you do with a little kid. A little kid spills things all the time. My my daughter Lulu, she's two next month and she spills stuff all the time or bangs her head or drops things or breaks things. And I'm like, it's okay, it's no big deal. Because what we're doing is we're forming the beliefs after all of these little tiny incidences occur. And you don't want her to grow up and I don't want her to grow up and hold the belief that she's not worthy because she keeps on making mistakes because she has to make mistakes in order to grow. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Who is Florence? What's her last name? I haven't heard that author before. Florence Scovel Shin. So S-C-O-V-E-L Shin, S-H-I-N-N. And so she was a new thought teacher in the early 19th century. Fun. I'm going mm. to have fun looking that up. Yeah, there's a lot of old classics, like The Science of Getting Rich and um, yes. all that kind of stuff that I absolutely love because I, I feel like they're, they're timeless classics. They are, yes. Mm. I think sometimes I detect a little bit of sexism in them, and so when that happens, I often will just like... <laughs> oh, that's resistance right there, Joanna, and you've got the opportunity to stand back and look through it, and mm. that's where the look through the mirror, (laughs) do the mirror work, but look through the mirror. So yes, Florence Scovelshin and a lot of the old classics have this sexism, there's uh, heavy religious themes that if you, if you stand back and you look at it, there's a lot of 
genius wisdom. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I think, I think the new age movement right now is built on that. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. That's so cool. (laughs) How old is your oldest daughter, right? Your oldest child is a daughter. No, my oldest child is a son and he's 15. 15. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) So So I have, I have 15. Um, Thomas is 15. Olivia is 11. Lulu is two, nearly two. And Ava, Ava Moon, my little one, is nine weeks old. Aww. It's only been nine weeks. I just, I followed, I followed <laughs> that journey with you all. I feel like she's been here now for a long time. She has. <laughs> That's so sweet. Um, well, the reason I was asking, my son is 23. And oh. yeah, and I remember I had to work through a lot of shame and guilt from not being the kind of parent I wanted to be. I wasn't a horrible parent, but Mm -hmm. um, knowing what I know now and uh, what I've been practicing the last, I don't even know, like 15 years of his life, uh, I've I've noticed I've had to work with him and help him. He has autism, by the way. So it's different than maybe working with a regular 23-year-old. Just let me put that out there. It's a lot like dealing with a, a smaller child. Um, but to address programming that I, you know, I would get upset if he spilled milk, like all over my papers or something like that when he was little. Um, so do you feel like you have transformed as a parent from when your oldest maybe was a little child to now having this two-year-old and this little baby, or is that just a gift you've always had? Oh, no, I was very much uh paranoid and uh, tw- being 21 when I had Thomas and I was also a stepmother too so my my first husband had a son who was only 18 months when I became his stepmother and he was in the autistic spectrum as well so I know <laughs> I oh. know what you know what you're dealing with so I had to do a lot of toddler work around you know he was banging his head on the floor and things like that so I did I think at that time I cultivated a lot of patience with my stepson because I knew that he had that kind of special care that he needed. And with Thomas, my biological son, I was a lot tougher. And if I had that time over again, I definitely wouldn't have done it the way that I did. Because he, he is a lot more fearful and apprehensive than Lulu is, who takes, you know, she doesn't take any risks. and She's adventurous and, you know, will climb and that kind of stuff. With Thomas, wouldn't there was like an invisible barrier that he would never cross going away from me. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. And again, I think that comes back around to to self-love and um, mm-hmm. forgiveness and all of that good stuff that yeah. I'm really happy to talk to somebody who practices the law of attraction, um, well, deliberate creation, really, mm-hmm. uh, who embraces, you know, shadow work and forgiveness and does not just put this we have to be perfect uh, it's all light and love message out there because that message can frustrate me sometimes yeah me too because I feel like it's it's a false representation of yeah. the work yeah and the, the work is so delicious you know once you get your your teeth into it when bad things happen or not not necessarily bad things or unfortunate events or drama unfolds in your family you can handle it because you can see through it that's so yeah. juicy, and you said the word. The said you said the word work, which reminds me because I just went to check out your Facebook page this morning because I knew mm-hmm. I was going to be talking to you, and you had a live video um, stream talking about the law of attraction only works if you do mm-hmm. versus Wait. what? Like, I would love to hear your take on this. Oh, if you sure. don't mind sharing it with us? 
Sure. Well, I saw this quote going around being shared hundreds of thousands of times that says the law of attraction will only work if you do. And I thought, well, that's weird. It's like shutting off your heart and lungs and saying that you can still breathe and your heart can still beat because the, the way that it works is that it is always working. It's not something that you can turn off and on and will like a, like a light switch. It's the conscious creation element of what you bring to it. So bringing it back to the theme of love, for example, if you want to manifest love in your life, you have to specify to the universe what you want. You have to set those powerful intentions and then you have to do something about it. So you can't live on top of a mountain and expect to manifest your soulmate or a soulmate. You can, you have to put yourself out there. So conscious creation and part of that encapsulates work that needs to get done as well. Right. So yeah. you would say instead conscious creation only works if you do. That's correct. Right. Yes. And I'm going to frame this for my witchy people too. Magic. Sure. Magic only works if you do. It's all the same thing. Deliberate creation, different terms for what I think is the same phenomenon. It's exactly the same. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's why I enjoy your work so much. Um, where did this focus come from? I, I think this is really key for the law of attraction. Mm -hmm. But I noticed it immediately with your business. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, let me put this in context for like I started my business doing all the things, all the things. It was super <laughs> eclectic. It was all the different parts of me. And that was five years ago. And I spent a lot of time like honing, focusing, cutting away, cutting, getting more specific. Whereas when you two launched this amazing enterprise over at sarahprout.com, it was so specific and focused and clear. <laughs> we are here to deliberately manifest uh -huh. our desires and it's consistent <laughs> it's consistent throughout is that a vision you had or is that something sean kind of guided you to because he's uh isn't he like the technical you're the you're the writer creator of the content and then he's mm -hmm. the he's actually the ceo of the company so we have a company called soul space media and i'm just one of the authors under that big umbrella that sean and i run the company together. So I'm kind of the, the guinea pig at the moment because we're just taking on board other authors at the moment. In the beginning, when I started my business, before Sean and I partnered up, I was all over the place. It was social media expert with a metaphysical twist, you know. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> it was, uh, I, I wrote a book for Wiley back in 2010 that was called The Power of Influence. And it's all about how to start a business with authenticity and passion and social media. And I cleverly put metaphysical elements in there. And I'm thinking, and I was thinking to myself, this is where my true passion is, teaching people about spirituality and creating the life of their dreams. But when Sean and I came together at first, it wasn't all about manifesting. We were still kind of working with my business model. And, and then we started teaching ourselves how to get that message focused. And so he's, he's a digital marketing genius. And so really it's about messaging and keeping the intention of the, the customer experience, what we want the students and the readers to be able to assimilate. So it's all about giving as much value as we can in the way that they can understand. So that, that was our intention, to make it as clean and clear as possible. Yep, I think that demonstrates my point, how you do anything is how you do everything as well, which is why I'm happy to talk about attracting a soulmate love into your life, because I think that that's also talking about attracting financial abundance. It's also mm -hmm. about having a successful business um, when you're manifesting deliberately mm -hmm. your desires, it's so key to have focus. 
It, it is. And and for me, with working with Sean, we, we really, we have such complementary skills and that's why we decided to work together. In the beginning, we had to work together because I had to get off welfare and Sean couldn't earn a living because he wasn't an Australian resident yet. So we we had no money together. We were living below the poverty line and I had two children to look after and then all of a sudden Sean came to live with me and we had to figure out how to make money and how to make money quickly. So we, we started a compilation book series and that took off and we were able to make a lot of, well, what we thought back then was a lot of money to be able to um, start our business and start expanding the product line. It was so exciting. <laughs> That's the Adventures in Manifesting series? That was Adventures in Manifesting. We've got over 200 authors and it was about getting the, the high profile authors to contribute a chapter and then other authors would invest in a publishing package and then they would get books. So it's not a model that we do anymore, but it was such a beautiful experience seeing the people that, that showed up to contribute chapters and, and a lot of them were our friends, our very dear friends now. That is so smart. Yeah, part of our journey. <laughs> and then we realized, well, we don't really want to be book publishers anymore. And so we thought we would start a self-publishing division. And we did that for a little while. And then it wasn't really what we wanted to do. And I was still writing on my blog and talking about manifesting. And then we decided that we were going to write a product together. And so that is the complete manifest course that we sell on my website, as well as the ancient manifesting ritual, which has had over close to 50,000 students go through it at this point and it's just been over a year and a half. I bought it and <laughs> I think it's a great introduction to your brand of deliberate creation I think um, mm -hmm. the ancient manifesting ritual and then the way I understand it is manifest is your sig signature program is that yes right? yes at the moment we're, we're kind of working on some developments right now but the, the great thing about that is that we didn't realize how much success we would experience so quickly and with all of these digital marketing strategies that we we're incorporating, we were able to move from Australia to America. So I now live in Las Vegas. And it was, I mean, it takes a lot of resources and time and money and all that kind of stuff to be able to move. So it was, it was a testimony to the success that we'd experienced in a relatively short frame of time. Well, what do you think the key to that was? The motion of energy that we were contributing towards the bigger vision. So I think the key is that you formulate that vision, how you want your life to look. I mean, if I had, if I could go back, have a time machine and go back to Sarah that was married for 10 years to the guy that she didn't really, you know, feel that spark and connection with to now, it's so radically different, so radically different. And I, I hold so much compassion for my two oldest children as well because they've seen their lives change. They've been through the, the, the times where I couldn't afford to feed them to now, you know, where last year we had our first uh, million dollar year, which was incredible, you know, to go from, to go from, and I do celebrate that because I believe that money is energy and, and I don't say it to brag or anything like that, but it's just testimony to the fact that anything is possible if you put your mind to it. To me, earning, you know, $100,000 a year was a huge goal that I don't think that I ever would have achieved at all. And, and I had, we had a week last year where we made, I think, $240,000 in a week. All right, people, and, listen to this. Listen it, carefully. <laughs> $240,000 in a week, $1 million in a year. And, oh, yeah, I couldn't – there were periods where I couldn't feed my kids. 
Yeah, and that that's what I really want people to understand, the fact that anything is possible. And it's not it's not necessarily about the money because I've been asked, oh, you've made a million dollars now, you can retire, because that's not how it works. What we do is we put all of our money back into the business so that we can be of service to the people that need it to keep that inspiration flowing. So it's about that that constant reinjection back into the mission and the purpose, which is way more important than the money. Oh my gosh, yes. I mean, can you, speaking of Oprah, the new age witch, can you imagine if Oprah quit after she made a million dollars? Yeah, I mean, (laughs) yeah, that was just her beginning. I couldn't imagine. No, and it's, I do think it's important to mention that number because I think that that is, for a lot of people, an outlandish number. And it really stretches... I, again, I recommend people go check out Sarah, obviously her website, but go to her Facebook page too and see the pictures of her just being a mom with her kids in Las Vegas with her family. <laughs> because I think that combined with this crazy huge number that a lot of us think is unattainable, it really helps stretch, stretch you in terms of belief and what's possible for your own life to see this woman that you can totally relate to making it happen. Yes, and I, I do believe that consciousness grows. So a million dollars might seem like a lot, but once you get there, you've still got another goalpost to get to where your consciousness expands or shrinks. Or And the thing is you have to be happy no matter what because I look back at those times where I couldn't feed my children and they are some of the most treasured times that I have, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, the kids and I are like, hey, remember when we used to have, you know, baked beans on toast every night and we got home and we couldn't afford a can opener to open the beans. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. And, and they look back on that time now because it's such a cherished a cherished memory because life is seasonal. I, t- I say that all the time to my students. Life is seasonal. Just because you might be experiencing hardship now doesn't mean it always has to be the case. Same with success. You, I might all of a sudden have to eat baked beans all the time. <laughs> so, yeah. You never know, but you have to be prepared for anything and be grateful for whatever shows up. Yeah, I just sent a newsletter out about, you know, when you're having a long, cold winter, metaphorically, (laughs) uh, don't panic, you know, spring is on its way. Uh, And you're so right about the seasons of life. And what you just said, too, took me back to thinking about Lulu um, and the kind of mom you are now. And I was thinking, oh, what a blessed little girl. but now, but when I think about your two older kids, I think like, oh, what blessed kids. <laughs> um, they're all blessed in a way because, <laughs> because those kids got to see the A to Z process. They got to actually experience the entire spectrum and see how it works. And I feel like that's so valuable. Well, it is. But uh, I mean, they saw mummy getting beaten up to mummy being really loved now. And I think that that's such a gift that I could give them and to manifest into their lives that I can now show them a really positive relationship. And that's so important. I do believe that a lot of the wrong, wrong turns or seeming wrong turns that I took along the way were because I didn't see my parents exchanging a lot of love and compassion and soulful flow between the two of them. So I think it's so important to model that love that we want to our kids mm-hmm. so, so that they can grow up and be loved as well in whatever way that looks to them. Yeah, and thank you for modeling that too for the rest of the world. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I really enjoy that. I love that I'm, I when I pulled up your uh, name on Skype, it was your wedding picture. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so sweet. So- the other thing too with manifesting love is that you have to be prepared to break your own rules. For me, for example, when I 
divorced my husband, I was, my first husband, I said, I will never date a younger man. I will never date a younger man. I had that rule so you know, deeply buried in my soul. And sure enough, Sean is five years older, five years younger than I am. So I had to break my own rules. Mm, Sarah Prout, the older, <laughs> the older woman. The older woman. The older woman. Yeah. But it's so important that you do examine the rules that you have and be prepared to break them because manifesting often happens like that. Yeah. It challenges you. I think a love that's built on friendship too is profound and it helps you see past those weird rules like I must be taller than the man of my yes. dreams you know <laughs> yes. yes he must earn three times more money than yes. I do or whatever yes. it is totally. yeah <laughs> totally 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 okay well this was amazing I'm super excited to share this with everybody um what is I have I love to ask this question um and you've already shared so many great tips but um if you had to pick one Mm -hmm. um, just off the top of your mind, it has doesn't have to be the end all be all. Like, what is your one tip for creating the kick ass life of your dreams? Ooh, one tip. Hmm. Become aware of your thoughts and your feelings as much as you can. So once you cultivate that awareness of how your thoughts are coming out there in the world, whether it's through being too dramatic or negative or whatever it is, stand guard at the doorway to your thoughts, and your life will change. That's awesome. Yay. <laughs> and your feelings are the first manifestation of your thoughts. I would add to that too, I think. Yes. Yes. So if something doesn't feel right, follow your intuition. I think intu intuition is an incredible faculty that is completely underused by so many people. Nice. Well, if people want more, Sarah Prout, where should they start? SarahProut.com. <laughs> nice. What is the free thing you offer? It's a free. Oh, it's an intention setting worksheet. So it's a, I think, I believe it's over fifty pages of a walkthrough guide of really getting you to to write down and pen to paper what you want your life to look like. So getting very specific so that the universe can hear you. Yeah, that'll give um, you all listening a really good idea of Sarah's um, the flavor of her magic and. Um, <laughs> And it's very pretty, too, I'm going to say as well. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I keep saying that, but it's so pretty. I was in a uh, mastermind group back when I first discovered you. <laughs> there, were, <laughs> there were three of us, and I was like, oh, my gosh, look at this woman's website. And we were all just like, <laughs> oh, it's so beautiful. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, <laughs> thank you. It's so pretty. Um, yeah, so there's that. Um, thank you so much, Sarah. This was my awesome. My pleasure. It was great to connect with you, Joanna. Yes. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> Me too. Have a beautiful day. You too. Okay, thanks. Much love. Peace, everybody.